to turn our Bibles this morning to the book of James. We'll be in James chapter number 5 this morning. James chapter number 5. And I'm going to read a few verses of scripture this morning. And I'll refer to an Old Testament passage at some point in the message. But I want us to look into James chapter number 5 for our message this morning. And to our guests, it is good for you to have you with us. We're honored that you're here uh, we want you to come back and see us again and look forward to it. We all look forward to what God has for us. It's exciting uh, to be a part of what God is doing in the Emmanuel Baptist Church. And I look forward to what he does in the service this morning. James chapter number 5. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 7. And I'll read down through verse number 11. And then I'll ask you to keep your Bibles open this morning. We'll refer back to this passage of Scripture over the next two and a half hours. And so uh, you keep your Bibles open. Uh, you, you do realize that before we relocated, I was preaching an 8.30 service, teaching Sunday school at 9.45, preaching again at 10.45. Uh, this is after that we had the three services. And so uh, not being able to have Sunday school right now, I've got so much pent up in me. It's I got to get it out somehow. And my kids, quite frankly, are tired of the extra preaching uh, at home. But uh, uh, no, we'll, uh, we'll be right on time. Uh, this morning, uh, James chapter number 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. A lot of the songs this morning have been about the coming of the Lord. Uh, goodbye, world, goodbye. We're to be patient in this life. We do realize that the moment that we trust Christ as our Savior, we're just a pilgrim passing through. The reason why we don't fit into this world is because the Bible says we're strangers. This is not our home. Uh, this is a temporary uh, address. And Christian, this is a reminder, we should treat it as such. Uh, we have an eternal home. Do you realize this morning that if you're saved, how many of you are saved this morning? You know your sins have been forgiven. Jesus himself is preparing your eternal home home for you. Think about that. We're just passing through. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Brethren, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. This week, as just about every week, I've had many conversations with many of you, uh, appointments perhaps for counseling appointments, maybe it was over a cup of coffee or in some cases a meal, in other cases it was a phone call, uh, were just a few moments of counsel. And it seemed like every conversation this week, there was a central thing, there was a central bit of advice that I ended up giving. Whenever that is the case, the Holy Spirit has a tendency to tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, you paying attention? And you say, what, what is that relation? We find it in our text this morning. In verse number 7, we are told to be patient. 
at the end of verse 7, and have long patience for it. Verse 8, be ye also patient. Verse number uh, 10, uh, for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. The same theme we find in our text this morning is the same theme that I have seemed to be the, 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 the common factor in those that I've interacted with as pastor this week. I know enough about pastoring, I know enough about people that if those I'm speaking to are all dealing with similar uh, aspects of life that determine they need patience, there's probably more out here that need that. Now, I know that we are a impatient people many times. I don't have any problem with that. I mean, I can preach all day and it doesn't bother me, but y'all don't seem to be as patient on Sunday morning as I am. But I believe the Lord has something for us that I, that I want you to get this morning. I want us to look at verse number 11, and this is where we'll get the title of our message and the foundation of our, our message this morning. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Notice this next phrase. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. This morning, I want to preach on that, the patience of Job. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us as we look into the Scripture. Father, may we be reminded this morning by all that is done that we do have a home to look forward to. Father, as a child of yours, as someone who is saved and redeemed and know that because of their faith, in Christ's finished work on Calvary, that we have an eternal home to look forward to. May we be reminded that there will be many trials in this life. There will be things we do not understand. We have a race to run, and that race, the Scripture tells us, is to be run with patience. And Father, I pray this morning that the truths that we see in the message will uh, be one that uh, allows us to continue to put our eyes on our eternal home put our eyes on our Savior. Father, if there's one in the service this morning who's never trusted Christ as their Savior, may the Holy Spirit of God, even at this point, begin to work in their heart and bring about conviction, and may they realize their need of a Savior. May they call on Him today. I pray that we would be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text this morning in verse 11, ye have heard of the patience of Job. If you've been in church any length of time, you know the story of Job. Job is more than an Old Testament title of an Old Testament book. It's the story of a life of a man that the Scripture speaks very highly of. Scripture sheds light on his life, and let's just be honest this morning, if if you know the story of Job, uh, it's not, uh, we look at Bible characters and we say, boy, I'd like to have the testimony of so-and-so, and I'd like to have the testimony of so-and-so. You know, in all of my life and all the different church services and all the different testifying, I've never heard anybody say, I've been praying, Lord would use me like Job. If we're honest, we're like, please God, anybody but Job. But we understand that the testimony of Job. We understand the life of Job, and I, don't, I want you to listen very carefully to me this morning. Job, the life of Job, if you're not aware of the life of Job, Job was a man that God said was a, a, a perfect, a complete man. He was a righteous man. I, I, let me say it like this. He was probably 
the best man on the earth in God's eyes in the day that he lived. God blessed him greatly. He, he had a wonderful family. God, God, the scripture tells us he had ten children. Uh, he had great wealth. He was the wealthiest man of his day, but yet he loved God. Yet he served God. He had a heart that was so in tune with God that not only did he make the sacrifices for his own righteousness, but just in case my kids have not done what they should have done, I'll make sacrifices on their behalf as well. He was very aware of God in his life. We know the story. In a moment's time, Job has servants who run into his presence. He begins to get bad news after bad news. How he loses everything. Job loses all ten of his children just like that. Having had the unfortunate and horrible experience of burying a child, I could not imagine what it would be like to lose all ten of your children in an instant. But before he could even comprehend all of these things, he loses his wealth. He loses everything. I remind you that God said he was a righteous man. He loses everything, and we know the background of, the, of, of Job's story and how Satan set his sights on him, but yet God signed off on what was going to take place in Job's life. But that's not important for the message this morning. But we find that Job loses everything. He loses his wealth. He loses his children. He loses his health. Literally, here is a man who has everything, and God has blessed him in such a great way. And in an instant, it's gone. The word patience signifies endurance, long-suffering. See, we're not reminded this morning, and don't miss this truth. Pastor James, speaking to the brethren, he does not say, ye have heard of the suffering of Job. He doesn't say to the church, I want to remind you, you've heard of the misfortunes of Job. Yet again, he doesn't remind them of the attack against Job, the sorrow of Job. But he says, ye have heard of the patience of Job. Now bear this in mind. We identify with his suffering. I, I can tell you personally and give personal testimony. There have been times in my life when Job has given me great encouragement because of his suffering... I could identify with his suffering. I could identify with his misfortune. But the scripture does not remind us this morning of his suffering, his misfortune, uh, his sorrow. And I'm going to tell you why I believe that we're reminded of his patience and not those things we identify with. And this is what I believe. See, Job had no control over the suffering. He had no control over what happened to his children. Do you not think if he had a say in whether his children lived or died, he would interject his feelings, he would interject his opinion, and they would live? 
Job had no control over his suffering. He had no control over losing his wealth. He had no control over his misfortune. He had no control over that. But yet, that's what we identify with. Some of you have suffered and are suffering, and you have no control over that. But yet, the Scripture does not remind us of that which we have no control over. In the midst of James encouraging God's people, he is in reminding them to keep their eyes focused on eternity, keep their eyes focused on the Savior, keep their eyes focused on the return of the Lord, and he does not remind them of Job's suffering. There's no control over that. He does not remind them of Job's misfortune. There's no control over that. Are you with me this morning? Ye have heard of the patience of Job. That's the one thing Job still had control over. Endurance. Long-suffering. Too many Christians, too many Christians put all their focus, all of their attention, all of their energy into that which they have no control over. And we want to find identity with Job's suffering. We can't control it. We want an explanation for it. We want it to end, but we're not reminded in Scripture of that which we cannot control. And just as James reminds the people that day, let me remind you, not of the suffering of Job, he had no control over that. Not of the misfortune of Job, he had no control over. But let me remind you of what Job did have control over. He had control over his patience. He had control over long-suffering. He had control over endurance. And Christian, this morning, there's one thing you and I do have a say in. Whether or not we're going to be patient. Whether or not we're going to endure until the Lord returns. Let's be honest. Some of you this morning, you have disease in your body. If you could change that, you'd change it. You have no control over it. Let me tell you what you had control over this morning. Getting up. Moving forward. Enduring. The scripture this morning says... Ye have heard of the patience of Job. Remember this. Chapter number uh, 42 of the book of Job tells us of the end. For 41 chapters, that book tells us of Job's suffering. It tells us of Job's anguish. It tells us of all of the ups and downs of the life of Job. But so many times, we skip right through chapter 42 and we use it as a side note of God gave everything back. God gave him ten more children. God gave him all of the wealth back to him. And I'll read you what chapter 42 says in verse number 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. Or can I say it like this? Because of the patience of Job, God gave him more at the end than he had at the beginning. Verse 16, after this, after what? After all of his misfortune, after all of his suffering, after all of his disappointment, after God restored everything back, he lived 140 years. 
after all of that, verse 17, last, book of the, last verse of the book of Job, so Job died being old and full of days. Why is it that the end is often a side note? Now, let's be reminded this morning, God does take 41 chapters to remind us and to teach us through the suffering of Job. But the message this morning is focused on the patience of Job. Job could not control the suffering. Some of you were born in the circumstances you could not control. You could control whether or not you let it stop you. Some of you are dealt things that you cannot control. But what do we do? We like to focus on the suffering, the misfortune. We have no control over that. But friend, what you do have control over is whether you get up in the morning, is whether you continue on, is whether you just say, in spite of the circumstances, I know that he's coming back one day. I know that I have a home in heaven one day. The patience is not about is less about today and more about tomorrow. Patience is not about the beginning. It's about the end. That's why James chapter number 1 says, Let patience have its perfect work. This morning, I want us to, with this in mind, I want us to look at verses 7 through 11. And I have six words that I want to give you this morning in remembering the patience of Job. The first one we find in verse number 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waited for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. First word I'll use is the word time or timing. We're reminded in verse number 7, you've got to be patient, just like the husbandman plants a seed. He's got to wait for the rain. He's got to wait for the work to take place. And while we are enduring the time, waiting for the timing, we must be patient or endure as Job endured. That first word is the word time or timing. Friend, we must wait on the Lord. Many a Christian has got the will of God because they weren't willing to invest the time that God wanted them to invest or they got impatient on God and they got ahead of God. No, friend, you endure, you endure, you endure. You be long-suffering, waiting on God. Verse number 8, be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. The second word I'll mention to you this morning when it comes to the word, the thought of Job's patience is the word determination. It's what a lot of Christians need to do. Establish their hearts. You can't change your circumstances, perhaps. You can't go back and change anything. Can you imagine the, the mental battles that Job must have faced? Knowing his children are dead. Knowing his wealth is gone. And now he sits in an ash heap, scraping the boils, the thoughts he must have had if I had only told my children to, to come home that day. If I had only done this or I had done that. Friend, at that point, he couldn't go back. He couldn't change a thing. All he could do 
established his heart that I'm going to trust God, that I'm not going to quit. I can't worry about the things I cannot control. And friend, you and I, we can identify with Job in that regard. But are we going to be able to say, I identify with his patience. I identify with that which I cannot, the one thing I can control was determination. The third word we find in verse number 10. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord. Remember who is speaking to them. James, one of the apostles. Now when we speak of the word brethren, in the scriptural, in the spiritual context, we're saved this morning, we're all brethren. Around the world there are Christians who believe and have trusted on Christ as we have. They are our brethren. But when James stood in front of this church and he said, Oh yeah, let me remind you of my brethren. Who is he speaking of? The prophets. He was speaking of John and Peter and the apostles. What a reminder who spoke in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering. I'm often asked as a pastor, Pastor, why, why, why do I have to endure this? And one trick that the devil will play on you, friend, is if you ever find yourself relating to Job in any way, is that God's punishing you for some reason. Sometimes it's just an example of suffering. They were an example of suffering and affliction. Those brethren who preached, who traveled with the Lord Jesus, and after Jesus ascended into heaven, they took the gospel to the world. They were persecuted. They were martyred. They suffered affliction. He's reminding them. The third word is the word example. But he doesn't just remind them that they were an example of suffering. He does remind them that they were an example of suffering. But he also says they were an example of patience. You know what every child in the room needs in their life? They need to have an example of a mom and a dad who are patient meaning they endure. We throw that word patience around sometimes. Just to, you know, I go to Walmart, I got to have patience. I don't have that kind, so I just don't go there. But the Bible definition of endurance is waiting for the work to play itself out. Every child needs to know that mom and dad's not going to quit no matter what. Mom and dad is not going to quit on God, give up on God, give up on me. You know what we need in our churches and in our nation today are Christians who set the example that when hardship comes, they're just going to be patient, just going to endure. Uh, 
the example. You and I, it's been said that you and I are going to be an example one way or another to people around us. Why don't we take hold of the one thing we can control? Our patience, our endurance, and be that kind of an example. The fourth word is... Four, fifth, and six are all found in verse number 11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Now, let me give clarification on this, on this scripture. Because in this text, we are reminded of the patience of Job. If you've ever read the book of Job, Job was not happy as far as elation goes to lose his children. He was not happy. We set a bar of Christianity that's not in that Bible. Oh, when, when you go through something, you should just rejoice in it. Well, let me know how that works out. Maybe I'm not as good a Christian as you. But I don't rejoice in suffering. Well, what does the Bible say, Pastor? It says... Behold, we count them happy which endure. That is speaking of the word blessed. Job, when his life came to an end, could testify, I'm blessed. The end of chapter 1, he was, at, he was praising God, but there was no sign of blessing. It's the end when the patience had its complete work. You can say, I'm blessed. How is it that a child of God can go through circumstances, can endure and press on, and you look at them and they set that example, and you look at their circumstances and say, if that happened to me, I don't think I'd be as happy. If that happened to me, I think I'd quit on God. Why is it they continue They can say, I have been blessed because they have endured. And in their endure, endurance, they realize that great is thy faithfulness. In their endurance, they realize that they are blessed. We count them happy, which endure. Then our text says, ye have heard of the patience of Job. Are you with me this morning? And have seen the end of the Lord. Fifth word is this, purpose. If God loves us, and he does, so much that he would send his own precious, perfect son, not just to die, but to take our sins upon himself. If God loved us so much, and I preached last Sunday on the judge and, and how God's righteousness and God's holiness demands a judgment, demands condemnation, and it certainly does. But in the midst of the nature of God and His holiness and righteousness, we find a loving God who loved us so much that He sent His only Son to stand in your place and my place pay our sin debt so that we would not have to do it. 
Why would God love us so much to save us from a hell we deserve? He just put us through torment for the sake of putting us through torment. That's not my God. There's purpose. Job, in chapter number 42, it could be said, he died an old man full of days. He was a blessed man. God had given him everything back, more than before. Why is that? Why can we say, behold, in verse 11, we count them happy or blessed which endure because they've seen the end of it. They didn't quit. They didn't give up. Job, you have heard of the patience of Job. What is it? He stayed in it long enough to see God's finished work, to see the purpose that God had. There are too many Christians that endure for a season. Uh, they, 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 they allow uh, themselves not to get bitter and angry at God for a season. But they don't endure to the end. They don't hang in there long enough to see the hand of God, to see the purpose of God. Too many churches will go through some adversity. And before they can get through the adversity and see the end of the story and see what God was doing all along, they quit. And they never see the end of the Lord, the purpose of His plan. You know, you know, you know me fairly well, very well. You know, you know a lot of my story. You know the fact that I referenced earlier that my wife and I, we know what it's like to, to lose a child. But it's been, we're far enough removed from that to see a lot of the purpose. Haven't seen it all. Quite frankly, all of us could testify this morning that there are things in our life we just don't understand. There are things in our life that we, 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 we don't know. How could God do anything good from this? And you wait for an answer. You hear preaching like this and say, oh, I believe that, Pastor, and I can't wait for God to show me. And years go by, and years go by. When is He going to show me? Some things we're not going to see the full purpose of what God had until we get to eternity. That's why we've got to understand that we are pilgrims. The story is fully told on the other side. Friend, this morning, I don't know what you may be going through. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the message, it seemed like every conversation I had throughout the week, every appointment that I had, it involved be patient, endure, have long-suffering. I don't have an answer for you. I don't have an explanation for you. But as Pastor James said to those people that day, let Pastor Neil say today, remember the patience of Job. He saw the end of the Lord. He saw the end of the story. He understood much of the purpose that God had. But he, there was a purpose when it comes to patience. Number six. The word that I want us to think of when we think of the word patient this morning is the word compassion. The end of verse 11, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. That word pitiful there does not mean that he's lacking. It means that he takes pity. 
get mercy. Sometimes, and I look around, and many of you, you've lived longer than I have, or you at least look like you've lived a lot longer than I have, one of the two. You could testify this morning that Young people in the room, you need to listen very, very carefully. This may not, you may not think this applies to you today, but if you live long enough, you're going to find yourself in a situation where you can actually say, I don't know if any man understands. But God has pity. Scripture tells us that God thinks about us. Merciful. He's compassionate. Remember the patience of Job. Oftentimes, and I've done it, and I'm certain I'll do it again as a, as a pastor and a preacher, you want to get up and you want to say, Hey, friend, you're not the first one to suffer. You're not the first one to, to not understand circumstances. Remember Job's suffering. Remember Job's misfortune. Hey, remember how, how he had to go through some things too? Remember how Job was faced with some circumstances that he didn't understand. He had friends forsake him. He, he was all by himself. And we'll preach that and identify with that. But this morning the message is this. I don't, I'm not asking you to identify with the suffering. You can't control that. But remember the patience of Job. You can control that. You can't control the doctor's report. But you can control whether or not you get out of bed the next morning. You can't control what man does, but you can control whether or not you keep your eyes on God. There are too many Christians living defeated lives because they find themselves in circumstances they can't control. And they spend all their time, all their energy, trying to change their circumstances. Failing to realize and be reminded that God controls every one of them. And God has a work. God has a purpose. And James reminds the church of that in verse number, or chapter number 1. The trying of your faith worketh patience. The only way to broaden your, your patience and your faith is to try it. Is to put it to a test. Sad to say, Christians live defeated lives today because they want to remember the suffering of Job. You know, I, I suffer too. I've had misfortunes too. That's what we want to talk about. Hey, let's identify with one another through our, through our, through our suffering. And there's something to that. There's something with somebody who has lived similar to how you live. But friend, that's not how you get victory. The Bible tells us that Jesus, he faced every temptation that we face and he never sinned. So he, we, he can say, I've been tempted like you've tempted. Now I've been tempted, I've overcome. But we find identification in going through similar things. We can't control that. But too many, you don't want to get out of the ash heap. And God says, be patient, endure. 
why don't we all make, all make up our mind? Whether you need this today or not, you're going to need it one day. Identify with the patience of Job. This is truly a life-changing truth. For you remember the patience of Job? What could Job control? His endurance. Not quitting. Not giving up. You know what I think needs, probably needs to happen this morning? There might be somebody in the service this morning. You've never trusted Christ as your Savior. You want to talk about a life-changing moment? An eternity-changing moment? It's the moment you believe with your heart that the Lord Jesus paid your sin debt. He's the only one who could pay your sin debt. And you believe that He loved you so much. God doesn't want any man to go to hell, but that's where we deserve to go because of our sin. And He sent His Son to die in your place. And all you have to do is say, I'm unworthy. I know what's coming to me, but I will put my faith and believe what Jesus did and accept His payment for my sin. What a moment. What a moment. What a moment. If you're here this morning and you've never done that, I want you to block everything else out in just a moment. We're all going to stand to our feet and there'll be men and ladies who will open their Bible and show you how you can be saved. You need to do that. Get it settled. There's probably some Christians in here who need to quit identifying. It's time to move on from the identification of Job's suffering. Grab a hold of the example of Job's patience. Job would have never had at the end. Think about this. Job lost ten children. Amen. Then we talk about the goodness of God, as we should, and say, God gave him ten more children. In the Bible, read chapter 42 this afternoon, you get some time. And the description in those few verses that the, script, the Bible talks about his children. They were the fairest in the land. His daughters were the most beautiful. They were blessed. The wealth was back. But can I tell you something? We can read the end. That when Job was sitting in the ash heap, Scraping his boils. He was deciding whether or not those ten children would ever live. But his patience, his endurance, not only benefited him, but benefited others. Christian, you need to tear up your resignation on God. You need to endure. You need to quit using your excuses of why you can't be faithful, why you can't serve. You're not the first one to hurt. You're not the first one to be sick. You're not the first one uh, to, to, to enter unfortunate circumstances. Quit putting God on trial and just say, God, if you'll stick with me, 
I'll get up in the morning. If you'll stick with me, I'll get up the next day. And if you'll stick with me, if you give me another day, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to survive one more day. It's the patience of Job that we should hang on to. The one thing in our circumstance we can't control is whether or not we just continue. This morning, may it be so. Father, I pray for faithful.